Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Morning, guys. Woo! Okay. Sure. Powerful, eh? You can see I'm old school, eh? <laughs> All the yuppie guys come up with their laptops and me, I come up with my notebook, eh? Cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, morning, friends. It's great to um, be up here this morning and to be given the opportunity again to share what's on my heart. Um, thanks, Steve. I'm, I'm really thankful. Um, I've had this word on my heart for a while. And uh, it's about ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. And it's been stirring in my heart, you know, <laughs> for quite a while now and building up. So, um, but before I get going, I want you to know that God told me clearly that this word I'm sharing this morning is actually primarily first for me, okay? <laughs> it's for me. Um, and then, secondly, it's for you, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah. And, yeah, just the question is for me personally, how am I doing as an ambassador? Am I still bringing the life of God to the people of the world that I, that I encounter in my everyday life? Am I still being the salt and the light of the world? It's to remind me of the reason why God called me and why he set me apart from the world around me. It's to remind me of the hope to which he has called me and to remind me of my glorious inheritance in the saints. Amen. And it's to remind me that I have a mission that is far, far more important and way above the basic mundane stuff that I find myself doing most of the time. So that is what I find God challenging me personally on here. And so, of course, I want to trust that this word will also remind you, challenge you, and bring fresh vision and a renewed passion and vigor to you as well. And to give you maybe a fresh anointing and a recommitment to reaching the people of the world because you are the conduit that God is using to bring life and grace and goodness and mercy and salvation to the people of the world, you and me. Amen. So, firstly, I just want to look at the secular definition of an ambassador. What does it actually mean? So, an ambassador is a diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by a sovereign state to another as its resident representative. That's the definition. And then I want to look at the responsibilities of ambassadors in a secular context. The first one is to maintain good diplomatic relations with the host country. Then to accurately represent the person and the foreign policy of the president, of the king, of their home country. And then to promote peace, trade and cultural ties between those two nations to promote and foster and portray a good image of their leaders and of that nation in the host 
country. And then to enlarge the sphere of influence in the host country and in other surrounding nations. So that's basically the function um, in the secular context of, of an ambassador. But we're going to look at, it, at this from the kingdom aspect a little bit later on. So, but let's look at some of the characteristics that are peculiar to an ambassador. So the first thing is that ambassadors are not elected. They're handpicked by the head of state or the king. Um, as someone who has the right character, the right temperament, the experience, they would also need to be an accomplished diplomat. It's actually a huge honor to be um, called to be a diplomat. So likewise, we are specifically chosen by God. From the moment we are saved, as sons of God, we are fully qualified to be his ambassadors through the cross of Christ. Jesus has qualified us through his precious blood. We are fully qualified to be his ambassadors. The next thing is when an ambassador is chosen and sent to live and work in a foreign country, Wait, I'm just looking at the time here. Okay, I'll get it. <laughs> um, and so, when an ambassador is chosen and sent to live and work in a foreign country, they still remain a citizen of their home country. And they're subject to the laws of their home country. They have diplomatic immunity, which simply means that they cannot be arrested or prosecuted in, in, in a host nation. They can't be. I mean, there have been a lot of recent stuff on TV where people have knocked over and killed other people and, you know, um, they haven't been able to be brought to book. Um, so likewise, but in our context, we are first and foremost citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are subject to Jesus, our Lord and our King. And the word of God reigns and rules in our lives irrespective of where we are, which nation we're in, or where we reside in. And then when the law of the culture of any nation comes into conflict with the word of God or with kingdom culture, that culture must bow the knee to kingdom culture. We're not looking for conflict, but we are there as representatives. And so we are subject to the law of the kingdom of heaven, the word of God. And so we, we are happy to be gracious. But actually, when we see the culture of that nation coming against the culture of the kingdom, that culture needs to bow the knee to kingdom culture. That is what an ambassador is about. Amen. The next thing is the salary and all the financial provision required to sustain the embassy and the ambassador are fully provided by the home nation. And likewise, we're not subject to the economy of the land that we're living in or any other nation for that matter. Our full provision comes from the kingdom of life. All our needs are met. They are underwritten by the promises and the purposes of God. 
We are sons and heirs of his household and subjects, subjects of the king of kings. And so we are not subject to the economy of any nation. Wherever we are on the face of the earth, <laughs> we are provided for from the kingdom of light. Amen. And the next peculiar thing is that the property that the embassy is housed on is deemed to belong to and to be part of the sending nation. And it's actually not part of the host nation, even though it's, it's actually on the soil of the host nation. It belongs to the sending nation. That's amazing. And so likewise, we're not subject to... Um, wherever we go, wherever we house, wherever we walk, is deemed to be holy ground. Wherever we walk, whatever na what nation we're in, is holy ground. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Our homeland is the kingdom of heaven, and our king is Jesus. And we are an extension of his kingdom, his kingship, and his lordship. Right now, we are an extension of the kingdom. And wherever we go, wherever we walk, that is holy ground. Wherever we live, that is holy ground. Amen. So just some of the peculiarities and just a few comparisons. Um, so I just want to go to a few scriptures now just to try and get a handle from the spiritual point of view of a picture of an ambassador of the kingdom. Um, Steve, can you put on that 2 Corinthians uh, 5, 11 to 21? Okay, I've chosen this translation because I just felt that it, it actually unpacks it so nicely. So I'm just going to read it with you. And this is about the message of reconciliation. Since you are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord, we make it our passion to persuade others to turn to Him. We know that our lives are transparent before the God who knows us fully. And I hope that we are also well known to your consciences. Again, we are not taking the opportunity to brag, but giving you information that will enable you to be proud of us. And to answer those who esteem outward appearance while overlooking what is in the heart. If we are out of our minds in a blissful divine ecstasy, it is for God. But if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. Because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all died with him. So that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives but lives that are poured out for him, the one who died for us and now lives again. So then, from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. For that's how we, were once, we once viewed the anointed one, but no longer do we see him with limited human insight. Now, if anyone is enfolded in Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is renewed and fresh. 
And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of the anointed one. <laughs> I love that. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Wow. Oh, man, I love it. Sure. Please note the number of times the word tenderly <laughs> is used. We'll come back to that. Tenderly. We are ambassadors of God's heavenly government. It's such an honor and a privilege. I just want to go to some of the things that that means, okay, in terms of our mandate, our message, our motive, our mission, our ministry, and the manner in which we conduct ourselves as ambassadors. So the first thing is our mandate. Our mandate is directly from Jesus. We can read that in Matthew 28, verse 28 to 30, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and yea, I will, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. And then also Acts 1, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit comes, it's an imperative command, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So it's a divinely appointed responsibility. Secondly, it's a divinely given opportunity. Thirdly, it begins on the day that we're saved. And it continues until Jesus comes. It starts on the day that we're saved and it finishes on the day that Jesus comes. Amen. That's our mandate, our message. Our message is the good news of the gospel. The message is that God loves you. He made a way through the cross of Christ where there was no way. For you to have a personal, ongoing, loving relationship with him. He paid the price for you to be reconciled to the Father. Your loving dad considers you to be a son and a friend. He welcomes you with open arms. And we'd like to have a close, intimate, loving relationship with you. Would you like to hear more about how God did all this amazing stuff? Not just for you, but also for all your loved ones. That is our message. The next thing is our motive, the love of Christ, which compels us. In this translation it says, for it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us, our debt of love to Jesus, our King. His love has the first and the last thing in everything that we do, in every breath that we take. 
And even though most of the world don't recognize Jesus as the King of Kings, it doesn't alter the fact that every knee will bow and that he actually reigns and rules over every nation. Even right now, he reigns and rules. It's just that he hasn't enforced his reign and rule by barbarous means because he is love. He loves people and he's the king of hearts. And he wants the hearts of men and women, not their lips. God doesn't want any of his family to be excluded. That's why we are still here to reconcile as many of God's people to him before Jesus comes. Amen. Until he comes. And that's the only reason that God is waiting. <laughs> because Jesus is the Lord of all. Every enemy has been defeated. He's just waiting for his kids and his family to come in to the household of God. Amen. Yeah, this is a very, uh, quite a sensitive one because you notice it says, we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf in verse 20. So I'm just going to read this scripture because this scripture says it more than I can, than I can say it myself. Um, it's 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 27, and it's the message translation. Thanks, Steve. Even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I've voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message, the gospel. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Isn't that beautiful? And he carries on. He says, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone won, runs, but only one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after the one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. <laughs> I love this. And I'm giving everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. I love this translation. It clearly expresses the heart of Paul as an ambassador of Christ, and his passion, his zeal, and his love. Amen. So it gives us an idea of the lens he went to enter people's world to be able to 
empathize with those around him to the point where he becomes all things to all people so that some might be saved through the gospel. This is his, his whole life mission, every second of every day. That's what he's focused on. And the question is, are we being all things to all men? Are we attractive to the unsaved in the world around us? Or are they repelled by us? And I'm asking this question because really what has surprised me over the last while is how divisive secular opinions have taken over and diverted the focus of many churches and Christians. Many pastors of large churches, particularly in the USA, have alienated half their congregation by passionately, vocally, and sometimes rapidly expressing their support for a particular political candidate. How unwise. Politics is always a 50-50. So the question is, how do the other 50% of the congregation feel about that? And what about the unsaved when they look in on all this? What do they have to say? What are they thinking? Who is influencing whom? As a church, we cannot allow the world's priorities to dictate to the church. We cannot point anyone, we cannot point anyone else to people other than Jesus Christ. Because no one can take his place. How dare we point people to other people? <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. No one can take Jesus' place. Amen. Our task is, in this environment, really, is, I believe, to set our minds on the things above and to focus on our mission, our ministry, and our calling. The things of this world will surely pass away, but His kingdom will never pass away. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Amen. So being an ambassador of Christ is not a part-time calling. It's a lifestyle. And the question is always, how can I best represent my king in this place with this particular person? This is a divine encounter. I know that God has brought this person my way today. I pray for the wisdom, for the right words, the right heart, for the right outcome in this person's life. That is the question ongoingly, every day, of an ambassador. To be effective ambassadors, we need a few things. The first thing is to know the heart of God, to be tuned into His heart, to have a loving, ongoing relationship with Him and with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The second thing is a clear understanding of the central message of the gospel. That there's no bad news in the good news. There is no bad news in the good news. Because the moment we start preaching a perverted gospel, we, we completely lost it immediately. And I thank God for the word that is preached out of this place. I thank God for the gospel of grace. 
that we have such gold here in the word that is truth. The next thing is the ongoing wisdom and the counsel of the Holy Spirit in real time. In real time, as you go. Minute by minute, second by second. The next thing is godly character is a make or break factor. That is, or the lack of it. It's like, if you have big victims, okay, but you don't have godly character, it's actually like putting a cannon on a canoe. And we all know what's, what's going to happen. And so godly character is, is essential. And I always think of, when I talk about godly character, I think of Romans 12 verse 2. And um, being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Amen. So we need to be ready, expectant, patient, reasonable, tactical, clear, fair, honest, humble, and also attractive. And then finally, we need to put on our spiritual glasses. Every day, we need to put on our spiritual glasses. By that I mean we need to be focused and expectant and prayerful and ask God to put somebody your way today. Hey Lord, I pray that you bring somebody my way today. I'm going to be expecting, I'm going to be looking out for that person. When I encounter that person, then I'm going to start asking the question that I've just read, read out to you. The greatest enemy of an ambassador of the kingdom is self. That is the greatest enemy. Self-government, self-preservation, self-absorption, self-fulfillment, self-gratification. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. But we give over our government, the government of our life to Jesus, and then we end up taking it back. It creeps up on us. We don't realize that we're actually doing it. But that's what happens. As his ambassadors, as he is, so are we in this world. 1 John 4, verse 17. And what does that look like? What does that look like to be as he is? So are we in this world. And so, with whatever time I've got, I'm just going to give you a few snapshots of what that looks like. Okay, just to envision us and to excite us. Uh, the first thing is, good ambassadors choose to lose their lives for Jesus' sake. Luke 9, verse 23. We stand with the Father against ourselves. We do not preserve our, our time, our tithes, our talents, our gifts, our independence, our wealth, our love. But we choose to freely give, for freely we have received grace upon grace upon grace. We please God and not ourselves, because true freedom is the desire and the capacity to act against ourselves for his sake because we love our king and we love people. Whenever we visit the imprisoned, preach the gospel to the unsaved, pray for the sick, feed the hungry and clothe the naked, 
we are losing our lives for his sake. And we can be sure that when he appears in all his glory, that we will also appear with him. Amen. The next thing is, when ambassadors choose to reign and rule with Jesus in heavenly places at the right hand of God, Ephesians 2 verse 6, we choose to give up self-government and independence so that we can reign and rule with Jesus. We don't have any of our own agendas, neither do we have anything to prove to anybody. <laughs> we are sure of our calling. We are sure of who we are. We're secure in our identity as sons of God and in the love of our dad. We've already been justified. So we don't always have to rush to defend ourselves or to prove that we are right. It's not a matter of right or wrong. It's a matter of life or death, success or failure. Amen. The next one is good ambassadors make no distinction between what belongs to them and what belongs to God. For they are co-heirs with Christ and they have a share in all things with Christ. When we came to the cross, we threw in the little that we had. And amazingly, Jesus gave us a full inheritance and a share in the kingdom of God. A full partnership as sons and heirs of all things in his kingdom. What's his is ours. And what's ours is his. So therefore, there's no line anymore between what belongs to us and what belongs to God. That line has been rubbed out by the Holy Spirit. It's ours. It's ours. Amen. And so we can access whatever we want whenever we need it. Provision, power, gifts, blessings, resources, grace, mercy. All the promises of God. There's no line anymore. There's no line anymore. We take every opportunity to invest in the kingdom into our internal inheritance. We're not living our lives for now, but we are living our lives for eternity. The world stores their assets in bank accounts and in property, but we store our assets in people. They are our heavenly bank accounts. We can take our love and our resources and convert them into an internal inheritance by investing them into people's lives with love. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? People are the real treasure, and when we love and care for them, take time to listen, to share the gospel with them. We are releasing blessing and provision in the natural, and also storing up treasures in heaven for ourselves. <laughs> While we're doing all this amazing stuff, we're also being totally blessed. Cam, time's up. Oh, my word. Okay, I'm going to land right now. Okay, so I won't be able to finish. I'm just going to give you the headline. So uh, good ambassadors choose to live their lives under one set of rules, the word of God, Philippians 2, verse 14 and 15. Good ambassadors allow the peace of Christ to reign and rule over every area of their lives. And lastly, good ambassadors choose to be governed by the wisdom and counsel 
of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 14. We're unpredictable in the eyes of the world and we no longer conform to the pattern of this world. We're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so, I want to just finish with this scripture. Uh, wow, the time went quickly, eh? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, Isaiah 26, verse 18, the NIV, it says, we were, we were with child, we arrived in labor, but we gave birth to one. We have not brought salvation to the earth, and the people of the world have not come to life. And I, when I read the scripture, it's, it's, it's such a sad scripture because it's Israel and how God's purposes and promises were just not fulfilled. But I pray and I say, Lord, I pray that this would not be said of us and of our generation. And so I just want to close with a prayer. So, Lord Jesus, I thank you for entrusting us as your ambassadors of grace in the ministry of reconciliation. Freely we have received and freely we give. Our love, our time, our tithes. And Lord God, I pray that we would say of our generation that we have brought salvation to the earth and the people of the world have come to life through us. I pray for fresh vision, renewed passion, and vigor. We are your channels of God's blessing, Lord God, to the lost. And thank you, Lord God. We pray for maybe a recommissioning and a fresh anointing and, yeah, Lord, just your passion to take hold of our lives again. 